There we go. We're up. We're up and racing. We're up. We're up. I'm oh, just going to put it on mute because there's nothing worse than hearing the double, the double, uh, oh, the echo. Al Bradford's voice twice is enough. Chris, thank you so much. Good morning, mate. It's uh, hello, another hello. early start here. Good to have you on the stream. Living in the future for those people joining from the US. Happy to be here. Oh, I forgot about that. You've got a big US audience, hey? You're Mr. Worldwide. You've got a bit of Pitbull vibes, don't you? <laughs> Man, i got to don the sunglasses, off I go. You know, funny funny tidbit for you, one of my friends, Clinton Sparks, who owns and runs an esports team, he's responsible for Pitbull getting into esports. He got Pitbull to invest into FaZe Clan. So I could be I could be the Mr. Worldwide. Who knows? Maybe we should catch Pitbull up with it. FaZe Clan? Yeah, yeah. He invested in FaZe Clan quite a while ago now, I think. Like maybe... That's- that's Actually, quite a while in esports. It's probably 2019, but <laughs> surely he plays all the all the big uh, events and stuff, all the functions. You got, you know, meet me in the hotel room. You know, what's that song? It just went off at school. It bro. was it was the biggest song for a while there. Hey, I've seen. A, have you seen the photos of people with hair? He's actually hot ass. Really? Like, no, I haven't. He's got Fabio vibes, bro. It's pretty. I've good. just seen the. Um, there's just some TikTok trend at the moment of him where he says like, you know, for all the. What's the lyric for all those going through hard times? Been there, done that. <laughs> and everyone's like, Thanks, that. "Like, you get me, you get me, bro." <laughs> love that. Stream health poor. Not liking that. Oh well. Shit that you have to do, huh? Shit that you have to do. So hey, for those who are just jumping into the stream now, thank you for waking up with funny business. Good morning. We're gonna wait a couple more minutes for a few people to jump into the chat. But today we're talking about all about AI. I know locks. Pretty scared about the robots taking over the world. I'm not scared. I've been having dreams about them and we coexist and we live peacefully and, you know, it's not that bad. You you act as if I'm, like, scared. I'm not scared. Chris, are you scared? Uh, no, I don't think so. But um, some people I talk to who dev who dev AI are a bit scared, so maybe we should be. <laughs> what, what do they think? Do they, do they honestly think it's just going to become, like, we can't control it? That's, like, is it the underlying tone? It's not even some of that. Like, um, one of one of my friends works for like a sports startup that um, I don't know how much he wants me to expose about him, but, but essentially it's like, imagine a camera on the side of a sporting field that will track like every single person and, and track all of their stats. Cause you know, like stats in like the UFC, the AFL now are literally just people there with a keyboard, just like pressing buttons. Like, like champion of, like, data. You mean like, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, like, I'm a, I'm a big UFC fan. And what I understand is that, if something is a significant strike or not a significant strike in the UFC, in the stats, it's just a dude with a keyboard just being like, mm, was that significant? Nah. <laughs> so, you know, pressing a button on a keyboard. So it's bringing more of that. But what, what he was saying is that um, a lot of his job is making sure that AI doesn't kind of uncouple and, and go rogue in a way and not like Skynet go rogue, but just start like throwing error codes and, and collapse in on itself. But the thing for him, I think that he was talking to me about is that him and his colleagues know that they're essentially working themselves out of a job a lot of the time. Like you might've seen some videos already on chat GPT where like I watched this video where a guy did like a basic coding problem that you would have to do in like your last year of college or university. And he was using the same language discussing with it as you would with a junior coding person. So he was like, make this thing. It's just like a basic thing that everyone makes in coding, right? And then he was just typing to it like, okay, now make the background purple. Now make the animation faster. Now animate it in a different style. Now make it bigger, make it smaller, et cetera. And he was just able to do all of that. So people are who are working kind of those entry-level jobs are probably concerned about losing their job because it can already, chat GPT in its basic form can already do that um, until then it becomes more advanced and it can start doing more things. That's crazy. We, me and Locke were talking something similar the other day. Like, obviously, we work with 
uh, software development teams who are building stuff. And it's like, if you are at the moment, I feel like there's, there's so many roles and devs have been hot property, you know, it's so hard to get good devs to work on things. But a lot of those doing roles that you mentioned, whether they're entry level or te- like companies as they scale, who used to have like teams and teams of devs, I feel like how that's going to be set up is you're going to have decision makers now who are going to be more accountable for what they have to put in. And their job is going to be more about like, if AI can help generate the code and people aren't writing it and it becomes more about reviewing things than it is writing stuff, then you just need to put accountability on certain people. And then they've got, that's a hard job though. If you're going to be like the, like the single, like. That's why there'll probably be teams. of Yeah. No, if it, yeah. yeah. No, it won't yeah. be. No. You don't reckon? No, if it fails, it's on you. That's sort of, cause you don't mm. need, you don't need 30 people anymore. You only need a couple. Yeah. I, there was a good line from, um, I don't know if you boys have seen like Alex Hamozzi online guy who runs um, acquisitions.com. He does a lot of like business type stuff, a billionaire guy. Anyway, he was talking about how where AI is going is like, instead of like, like you were saying, instead of having a team of like 30, you just have basically the humans become the quality assurance because AI is only as smart as you know what to put into it. So you still need the person at the top to control the strategy, or you still need the CMO to understand the marketing, or you still need like the head of brand to understand what to put into it but you don't need necessarily the people underneath that to, to feed those things to you. So like an example is, um, you know, I do a lot of work in the video game space, obviously. Could you imagine if like our investor, Playside Studios, they got like 200 staff. Could you imagine if they went back down to like one? Like Jerry is, who's the CEO, he's really primarily responsible for creating their own IP that they make at that company. But he needs like 3D artists, he needs riggers, he needs animators, he needs 2D artists, he needs coders like back end and front end, he needs UX UI. Like imagine if you could just out of his brain, he could type into an AI, make me a game like Call of Duty, but make me based in space. And then, you know, you could just conversationally type out like these things that you want to do with a character. You like generate me a main character that looks like a world war ii sergeant and then you say okay have him holding a thompson machine gun and then give him a southern accent and then make his voice deeper and then make his skin tone darker and then you know you could just type all these things in and i've seen there's like an early stage ai thing uh, that i've been meaning to make some content on where someone's essentially developing out like a video game level just by typing they're typing it like a book they were like oh it was new york city and the streets were narrow and there were bushes along the sides of the streets and and the road on the left was blocked off and as they're typing this out it's dropping the assets into the game for them um, and creating like that whole scape so you could like it's almost like you could copy paste like game of thrones into a thing and it could make like half the movie for you you know what i mean without having to use all those other people I reckon it's this lock and I've been talking about people who do like cartoon animation. So like video games, cartoon animation along the same vibe, but like people who are actually creative that might not have had, I think like lock and I are good examples. We don't have that design element. So like we can have the creative and we don't know how to bring it to life because no matter how hard we try, it's not going to be as good as someone who is amazing at motion animation or amazing at graphic design or can do the things. But if it just comes to, who can write the most creative instructions and we could have that outlet like that, then I feel like the, how we're seeing it more is like, this is the first wave of tools that are coming through that people are looking at, but what happens when you can just type things in like that. And I've seen like the Seinfeld cartoon series that people have written. That's like just written based on scripts done by chat GPT. And like, that's today. Imagine what it's like in a year's time. Remember when the internet first came out and it was used to sell books online, like Amazon was just like a book. And it's like, that's as far as the imagination would go. And then, but now I'm thinking it's like, how, like 
I'm seeing uh, all people use it differently, you know, for how they work and how they integrate it with their teams and, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's just it's just crazy. There's so many tools. We might get into it a bit later, but I've got a list of tools that we can go through and I'll give you a brief rundown on what that does. But we've just been playing around with Mid Journey or whatever after Pete Siglinski from Sebin hooked us into that and just jumping on the Discord there and just like the text prompts like Einstein riding a 70s surfboard through the clouds of Melbourne City. Boom. And then yeah. like within dead set under 30 seconds, we had four different versions. Boom, ready to go. It was crazy. And the detail too, like yeah. But the only thing it didn't pick up was like language. So like English, like if you tried to type in anything, say if you wanted a logo or anything like that, it couldn't do mm. stuff like that. Yeah, language maybe. and hands are the two hardest at the moment for AI to get, but they're getting better. I'm following a subreddit about like AI art, and they they start they figured out hands, and then I think like language is is kind of next. Oh, hands is a good one. You were saying because Einstein sort of had the sausage fingers like me. Uh, had the Homer Simpson fingers. I'm like, hang on. I think they're six yeah. there too. Caitlin, Caleb, morning. Thank you for waking up with Funny Business. Caleb, you got a message, there, a question there. Are there any laws around AI and what you can build? Chris, do you, you have any thoughts on this? There's been like a huge push from art. I guess to preface this, right, like most people's early predictions for AI is it's going to replace things like chatbots, personal assistants, and all that kind of stuff at the start, right? Um, but it's actually looking like at the start, it's probably going to replace artists, which everybody thought was the hardest thing to do. So I've seen like a big push from a lot of artists, especially on Twitter, against using AI art, saying it's like plagiarism and because often it has to learn from something, right? You have to feed something into the AI to teach it, just like a human has to learn from something else. So yeah, I've seen some people threatening lawsuits against like mid-journey and, and other AI things. I've seen some countries sort of announced that they want, um, I think it was even China announced that they want every single piece of AI art to have a watermark on it to say that it was developed by AI. But it's really hard because it's all in a way just how a human develops something as well. Like almost nothing's new, you know? Like if you're if you're playing the guitar, you base your guitar playing off like Eric Clapton and, and you know, Akadaka and like whoever else you've watched, right? To base that off the same way that AI is basing the art and the prompts off other bits of art that have been around. So it's really hard to know. And I mean, even in the opposite side, there's a website called Do Not Pay that will now read terms and conditions for you and can help you get out of like speeding fines and tickets and things like that by using AI as a lawyer on the other side for you as well. So it's a, it's a finicky area and I don't think anyone has the answer to it. It's kind of like, you know, governments are going to have to scramble for this, like they scrambled for crypto um, to, you know, try to find out some rules and regulations because kids are already, what was it? There was some law, um, some college like law essays that were passed through chat GPT and it's already gotten them a C plus. Um, there are other like high school students who've been using chat GPT to write. I actually talked to a teacher the other day and she, um, who works at a tech school um, in Werribee and she was saying, yeah, she knows some of her students already use ChatGPT to, <laughs> to get past, you know, some tests and, and exams and things like that. So that's crazy. The whole like the whole education, the pathway of, is going to have to change because these like you can't, you, pretend, you can't pretend like these tools don't exist. But one thing I did find interesting after playing around with ChatGPT, like Locke and I obviously go straight into, all right, well, whatever, what questions can we ask it? Yeah. You know, how do I get a bigger penis? <laughs> <laughs> so that was Locke's first, that was Locke's first question. But like, even like, hey, tell us, um, using dark humor, tell us some jokes. And and the thing that I think was, I think was interesting for me was the idea of ethics built into AI and like who's actually, it reminds me a little bit of, I know it's in the different, in the different vein, but like 
Twitter before Elon took over, like the amount of censorship that was over on their platform, like what counted as misinformation versus yeah. what didn't or what was a harmful post that had to be blocked. And it's hard because like- they've, um, AIs have like different personalities in a way. I've, I've seen a bit of that on Reddit too, because chat GPT has some things where a, like it won't, it won't give an outright opinion. You can usually trick it to give you something, but it won't give you like an opinion and it won't talk about most controversial topics. Like you can't go there and say like, how do I make a bomb? for example, but I have seen people figure out other ways to get around that filter, just like you can, you know, just like kids get around school filters on the internet. They think they're hilarious to load up Pornhub or something, you know, it's the same, same kind of thing. But I've also seen ones like on the political sphere, I've seen screenshots of people with chat GPT asking like, you know, make me a funny joke, demoralizing Joe Biden and it won't do it. But then you say to do it for Donald Trump and it will do it. And it's like, okay, well, where's the line? Like with that kind of stuff. So you're right. It's like, it's, it's the same problems <laughs> that every other platform has. Twitch has this problem with streaming. Like, what do you allow streaming on Twitch? What's sexual? What's not? You know, what's age appropriate? What's not? And same with Twitter, like you said, too. And then AI is having exactly the same problem as well. But even from the start, like, it's like, what happens when, like, this is where a lot of people have built off the open AI and we're talking about chat GPT and like, that's the platform or that's the engine that people are using to do this sort of stuff. Well, what happens when there's an alternative? Like I, one of the things I've been listening to and reading about is like centralization of power. Like this is probably not going to be something that Google or AWS or um, it's not like we're going to have to, the same way we use Google now, there's going to be other players because they're not going to be able to just, it can't just be one big thing similar to the way crypto has exploded because it's decentralized. Do you think we're going to end up with opportunities to use platforms that don't have as many rules because they're not going to be owned by the big power tech companies that we expect things to be owned by? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think, I think part of it too is understanding that most AI things right now, like we've already talked about mid journey, you talked about chat GPT. They're like the two most obvious ones, right? They're like single use tools in a way. There's still no like platforms that will do multiple things. So like if you're saying, you know, like the Seinfeld AI thing, right? Like people are making, Someone made like a funny cartoon in The Simpsons, which was like the worst episode of The Simpsons ever. They had to use like five different AI tools to do that step by step by step. There's no website or singular interface right now, which is like makemeafunnycartoon.com. And you can do the the script writing, the script to images, the script to voice, and then also the animation, like all in one and the video editing. So when that stuff comes around, it'll start to be even more confusing, I think, for the mainstream people because you need to use a multiple AI MLs in the, in the back end to complete one thing. Like I talked to a consultant the other day and there's an insurance provider that he was telling me about. Well, they're like a company that helps you find insurance. They already use five different AI MLs that work together to sell you health insurance. What, like, what time of the day should I call you? When am I likely to call you? What script should I use when I call you based on everything? Like your age range, what, what day of the week it is, what your job's likely to be, how much money you're likely to have in your savings account. Like all, it takes all of that kind of stuff into account and it uses like four or five different AI MLs. So it's almost like crunching together chat GPT and mid journey and like a whole bunch of the other ones as well to do it. And then, yeah, like you were saying too, I think, you know, cause we we've started, um, kind of working on on an AI product ourselves and thinking about how that stuff works and talking to a lot of these developers, it seems that for the company, the IP isn't really in the AI ML as much. Um, It's more so in the data and it's what you do with it. And then the public facing thing that's attached to that, which means that like, if you want to write a new AI 
from the people I've talked to, that's like a PhD thesis level. It's very hard. You're basically writing a new, whole new coding language from the beginning. You're writing a brand new Java or C++ or something like that, which is really hard. And there's already a whole bunch of them out there. So it's like, how can you use the AIs that already exist and meld them together to create a front end that uses the open AIs chat GPT and uses mid journey to make, you know, cool cartoons together, for example, without you having to go to like one website then to another to do it. I feel like we, we've got to put a pattern on that, that idea there, Chris. And I feel like we've got to do that. <laughs> CreateYourCartoon.com. I feel like that suits yeah. us on this phone call very, very well. But hey, got can, another- we, hey can we be over-optimized though? I'm worried about like everything being too good where it leaves room for human error. That's part of like charm as well. Like if you're overly optimized and everything's just how it's meant to be all the time, you get exactly the right info. It's, then, then are we starting to feel like we're robots? That's what I'm sort of worried about. I, I don't mind a little bit of human error, you know what I mean? Bit of character. Yeah. I mean, it's why I like to think about like if you were to watch footy or cricket played by robots, I just don't think it would be as interesting as humans because they can't. you can't pull a hammy and that's, you know, you can't, you know, have an awesome comeback and, and things like that. Like it just doesn't happen. Like that's part of the thing of humans. It's similar with like music and stuff as well. Like sometimes a, pers- a person will fuck up on the guitar and that'll be fantastic. You're like that was really sick. It was actually made the song better or something like that, right? As part of it. That's the... I think there'll always be human input. Like I said, like there'll always be Jerry, you know, as the CEO of Playside telling the AI what to do with the game, because ultimately from what I understand is, is a lot of the original IP at Playside comes from his brain anyway. You know, I've seen his creative process of developing out a game from start to finish, like with Age of Darkness, they launched like a couple of years ago now and it's fantastic. You know, he's doing all the custom art and things like that. And, you know, like you guys were saying too, I was thinking like my last three business websites, I made them essentially in paint and then gave them to my designer. And because I was like, this is what I want it to be. It was just random screenshots of different areas. And it was just like blocked out things in paint. And I kind of want this here. And I want this to look like this here. There's already an AI product for video game developers, which is called like image to image. And you can draw like a little wizard kind of thing just in paint, like a really rough wizard. And then you can put it through the image to image and it turns it into like a 3D looking game model. So you can just make something real basic. You can, you can just, you know, grab a pencil, paper, whatever, draw down like, oh yeah, I, you know, I want my new logo to look something like this. You can feed into the AI and it can give you back like a hundred different examples of like, okay, you know, we've turned this into a logo. Here's what it looks like. Caleb's got another question talking about personal assistance or planning. Oh, yeah, Caleb show, isn't he? He's had about four questions. I, I like it. I don't mind it. I don't mind. If you've got those questions, keep sending them through. We've got a few <laughs> others that come through on Instagram last night, but keen to go through some use cases of how are you using um, AI, Chris, at the moment? You mentioned uh, you've got a product that you guys are working on, but just in your day-to-day use, how are you utilizing what's available? Um, so a couple of things for me. Number one, I started using tweethunter.io which is like a, um, it's a website that will help you make tweets. It can write them for you as well as find topics and things to tweet about based on keywords, your profile or things that you search. Um, so primarily it's kind of like Twitter advanced search plus chat GPT to rewrite tweets. That's what it does a lot and schedule them. So I use that. And then also I use that to push some of those tweets across to LinkedIn. It's pretty good. Uh, when I started using it, I realized how many other people use bots to tweet. Because you can start to see, you know, like one thing you guys were saying is like, um, how are you going to know like when things are an AI in the future? At least now, because I have a personality, they type a certain way, I can start to see like whether an AI is making tweets or not. Um, so yeah, I've been using that. One of my employees uses um, 
a plugin called Merlin, which plugs into like your Chrome or bra- like whatever browser you're using. And it uses chat GPT to like write responses to people. So he manages a client social media for us. So you can highlight it. It'll come, you can press like the shortcut to Merlin and you can write in there, like write me a witty response, write me an angry response, write me a funny response or something like that. And actually write out a response to you, you can copy paste and you can push that through to someone. So I've used that. I've obviously used chat GPT. I've got a LinkedIn skit coming out. I wrote a script using chat GPT the other day, um, did a good job from the beginning. And then also with the products we're working on it's a platform based one so we've been using mid journey to generate concepts for what the platform could look like so obviously like you know like you guys were saying before the text and stuff isn't that good and it's not perfect but we've generated like a hundred different ideas as to what our platform homepage could look like just by using mid journey in like 20 minutes and and then we can just start to take the pieces that we like from from the concepts rather than spending weeks and weeks with a designer like trying to design all these different concepts and put things in different places and once again, it's conversational. You can say change the color a little bit, or make things a little bit more spaced out, or things like that too. And you can, yeah, you can just push them all out. So yeah, that's that's the basics of what we've been doing. I think it's cool too because you can just like pick and apply. Like it just gives you ideas. Like I just wanted to know how you, how you'd even write a screenplay. Like write a screenplay for a new Hollywood blockbuster with Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. This is what I put into Chat GPT, and it gave me the um gave me the screenplay and how it's structured and stuff. So for me, I'm going, oh, that's how you write scripts like properly and stuff so it's just cool to like what you can learn like it blew your mind when you when you first come across it didn't you because you're like i'm inputting data in here and you're sort of giving it yeah, some information. yeah. Prompts. i think the cool part for me was like all right when you were we were writing some things around like um doing organizational transformation ways of working things like how do you put in a change program write me a change management plan for a company of this size what things we might need to consider what things could be uh, do we need to look out for that will go wrong? What are the barriers? Give me some real life examples of people who have successfully done this, including this, 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 and this. And it's like in two seconds that, that the amount, the, the amount of data that I gathered, not that it was replacing the, I guess the IP and the intention, the instruction of what I actually wanted, but I couldn't have articulated any better than that. And the mm-hmm. ideas and the concepts, and we were even going like, all right, give us a list of five. And then it's like, all right, give me five more creative ones that aren't included on the list above. The next thing you know, it's hard enough to sit there and try and come up with five things yourself, but all of a sudden you've got a list of five or 10 or 20 things that you can use and pick what you want. And I think that mm. that capability is, that's so powerful. And that's only in chat, GP, that's only coming back as text. Once that those tools develop and that's just on steroids, like you mentioned before, it's like when you can plug in all the different types of things you might need, whether it's create a cartoon, imagine you, write, you could write a screenplay play where they do the scripts you could do the cartoon animation and you could do a 3D version of a Hollywood thing. So it's like, it's in cartoon, it's in real life. It's all the assets to promote it. You're placing all the ads to help. Uh, you can go run all the performance marketing and, and upload all this stuff. You can schedule all the posts. Like how quickly will that happen? And is it is the most important thing now in this world? Like is the pace that we're moving at is that's the scariest part for me is like, no, if you take too long now, you you may as well not even do it. Yeah. It seems like the theme of what you're talking about and what I'm thinking about AI too is like optimization. It's doing things that are clunky done from human to human or just take you a long time to process, like writing a a marketing report, for example, like saving numbers from tweet reach into Excel and putting that from Excel into PowerPoint 
Um, and then you lose data between them because you're doing like 400 different data sets and you copy paste and fat finger something wrong, or you can't update it in real time when you want to send the report off or things like that. Like it just takes, takes a while. And I think too, one, one thing I just remembered back to what I was saying too, with the plugins, Merlin, which plugs into your browser, somehow beats chat GPT's ability not to have up-to-date information as well. So Merlin also, whenever I open google.com, Merlin opens as well. And I can use that as a search function too, because there are obviously chat GPT blocks off. What is it like December 21 or something like that? doesn't use anything up to date. So if you, you need to have Merlin open in another tab and you just to be logged in to, so you need to have chat GPT open and you be logged in just in a tab that you're not even using, but then Merlin somehow hijacks the, uh, like the AI to be able to search up to date things as well. So you can, you can use that. So it's super, that's probably the one we use the most at everything, to be honest. And it's worked, man. I had a VC I hadn't talked to in years. She made some tweet about a kid or something. And I highlighted it. I said to Merlin, write me a witty reply. And she liked the tweet. And then I'm having a meeting with her. I haven't talked to her in years. So it seems to work. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I so I'm a big fan of that. Tell you one thing that we were talking before you get into the tools next is it would be cool if there was like a, you, know, you talk about plugging in the data so it can learn uh, like it's it's still like what has to get plugged in for us. Even that language models of us writing in chief chat GBT for Locke, he's done a million posts on LinkedIn. Same as you, Chris. It would be sick if you could actually go back and go, hey, skim all the posts I've done previously, looking at how I talk, how what language I use, what are my common things that I use to things. I feel like there'd be enough markers in content that's done that would make when we actually generate AI, it won't feel like you mentioned before, you can tell the difference between a tweet that's come from chat GBT or one that hasn't. Like I want AI that replicates stuff that I've already done. You yeah. know, like if, if I've already done all this copy and I already know how I talk and how I'd like my text to come out, mm. how can we can't just like, or, or can we, you know, is there something yeah. you've seen that does that? I don't know for text, but obviously you can for voice. You know, there's like AI voice stuff that's been pushed through. Apple, I've been searching for the clips again. It's so hard to find. But, you know, Apple released an AI audiobook um, thing that sounds pretty good. And that's just based on their own voice that comes through. But I'm sure you've already seen like deep fake ones. You know, Joe Rogan's got thousands of podcasts or whatever. You can chuck that through. Like I've got 110 plus podcasts. I'm sure that I could train an AI model like pretty easily. I, I saw another clip of an AI model a couple of weeks ago, which just got trained off like five words and it did a pretty damn good job. Um, for someone without even having to feed in all of that stuff. So you're definitely right. And what I found from my research with Tweet Hunter with Twitter is like the people who succeed on Twitter a lot of the time is it's like tweeting agreeable things and it's just whatever first comes to their brain, they're tweeting out. So sometimes it can be like virtual signaling stuff, but often it's just like saying something that everybody agrees with. So they'll hit like. That's, that's a lot of what Twitter is a lot of the time. So something like Tweet Hunter is in a way essentially just plagiarizing and rewriting other people's tweets because literally the search it tries to get you to do is searching within your category and industry, 365 days older, older and tweets with 100 plus likes. And then you'll find it'll have a big sheet basically across your screen of all the tweets there. You can select one of them and you can get their AI to rewrite it and you can select how aggressive you want it to rewrite it and then you just track it into your schedule. And off you go. And what I started, and like I said, what I started seeing was all those patterns between all those other people. It was really funny testing that and tweeting something that I don't disagree with, but I don't necessarily agree with. And just seeing that tweet just go really well <laughs> on my platform. I saw something like that. Like it was a tweet about um, we need to stop the notion that to be a fan of esports, you need to be good at the game. I've never had that thought before. 
but it's like, I'll just see what happens. And that tweet did really well. And I put it across the LinkedIn and it did really well. But it's just funny seeing all these replies to these people, just me thinking like, it's not even my thought. Like it was an AI <laughs> that made this tweet. <laughs> like it's got well, nothing to do with me. What, yeah. Why is it, why is it only dated to 2021 though? Is it because we can't, is it just the language sets? Is it too, is it just a different update, like staggered updates and stuff like that? From the platform we're looking at, it's like the, it's how you process the data and it's processing your data. That's my thinking. So you think like an AI is quite um, powerful and takes a lot of computing power to use in a way. So if you're trying to get it as a human to go to Google and search for something for you, bring back that data, process it all, and then give you an answer, it's using a lot more processing power than just like go look into the library of what you've already got. So imagine it's like they, in a way, imagine it's they downloaded the entire internet up until 2021, they put it into a box, which is chat GPT, and then you ask it questions. And then it just goes to look inside its own hard drive and then tells you the answer. That's my understanding. It could be a different reason as well because it doesn't want to pull wrong things or they want to put those gates on it. So you can't ask it how to make a bomb or you can't, you know, something new comes out that they just don't know to, to account for, to do, um, especially with like the level of investment and stuff that's behind them as well. They probably want to be pretty careful with that stuff. That's my that's my thinking about it. It's probably just easier to gate it that way so they can control things a bit better. What about things like 3D printing? You know, like I'm, I'm just coming at now, like if we're talking about bringing things to life that are like video games and stuff you can see on a screen, but what happens when you can write a script and you've got the printing capabilities that like you could build anything you want off like a, a movie script. set? Mm. A movie set or like, I don't know, I'll design me a table, the shittest one, but design me a table that has this, a pull out. Your imagination is going wild, Rob. Yeah. Oh, give me a table. <laughs> I'm looking at the table now, but yeah. if you plug that in and next thing you know, like you're writing scripts to produce physical things, like, does that make you like, is that what God is? Yeah. You know, what? Yeah. Like, what is that? Well, you can already use an iPhone to kind of make a 3D render or something, but they're usually pretty clunky. So imagine you use just the AI to optimize that. So you need like a car part for your car or something. You need like a, a control arm, you know, for your car. You take it off, you use your iPhone, you take the thing of it, you put it into AI to optimize it. Then you go to your metal 3D printer and it prints it out for you. And then you don't need to go pay a hundred bucks, you know, for, for the part. Or you just take that part to mechanic. You're like, here you go, I printed my own part. <laughs> you could just go and do that. You know, it could be anything. Question, make your own... com question coming in from Elise talking around, uh, morning Elise, but... Uh, I feel like teaching people how to use AI for maximum efficiency uh, in everything you guys are describing will be a powerful position for consultants. Have you seen anyone been doing it well at the moment? Like who do you look, who do you look to, to learn from on, on this subject? It's um, a good point, actually. Let me just bring up, I, I asked my um, like LinkedIn creator manager just the other day as to who I should follow. So I'll give you, I'll give, I'll give you a couple of names. So Gordon Wilson, is one person. He's based in San Fran. He's the CEO of an AI company. Makes some good posts. Um, so I'm just trying to find it here. It won't tell you. LinkedIn doesn't tell you the latest people that you followed, does it? Let me bring up the text and I'll tell you real quick. Well, why Chris is fine on that. You got some other tools like you. Yeah, look, I'm just going to whip through this guy named Sunil Gimir. He two weeks ago just posted a bunch of um, uh, programs and tools you can try out in the AI platform. So it's got crisp AI. Crisp AI removes background voices, noises, and echoes for your calls, giving you peace for a call, which would be perfect for us. Uh, Beethoven, create uniquely royalty-free music that elevates your story. Handy. Clean voice, automatically edit your podcast episodes. Sounds good. Podcastle, studio quality recording right from your computer. Flare, 
design branded content in a flash. I've checked that out. That's pretty sick. Illustroke, create killer vector images from text prompts. That's a cool one. I've tried that out. Pattern, generate the exact patterns you need for and design. Uh, suss that too. That's cool. Stock IMG, generate the perfect stock photo you need every time. Loving that. Copy, AI generated copy that actually increases conversation. Copy monkey, create Amazon listings in seconds. Okoya, create and schedule social media content 10 times faster. Unbounce, smart copy, write high performing cold emails at scale. Video, make short form vids for uh, from long form content in just a few clicks. Maverick, generate personalized videos at scale. Quick chat, AI chatbots that automate customer service charts. Puzzle, build an AI powered knowledge base for your team and customers. Sound draw, stop searching for the song you need, create it. Clean up, remove any unwanted object, defect, people, or text from your pictures in seconds. Defect. I'll Re get you out of all my oh, pictures. Oh, please. Resume worded, improve your resume and LinkedIn profile. Looker, design your own beautiful brand. There's an AI for that. Comprehensive database of AIs available for every task. I've sussed that. That's cool. Syn Synthesia, create AI videos by simply typing in text we've played with that one that one's nuts that's nuts descript which a lot of you probably know about new way to make videos and podcasts otter capture and share insights from your meetings ink for all ai content generation optimization performance and lastly thunder content generate content with ai so there you go i feel like a big theme for that chris is uh like you mentioned at the start of this episode that creatives or artists look gone the people that should be most at worry about how do i how do I make harness what is available versus being taken over by it? Um, one of the questions we had in, uh, what are some of the pre professions you think will be most shaken up by the new wave of AI coming through? Yeah, I think, I think art is some of it. I think personal assistance as well, you know, scheduling and processing that kind of stuff, you know, automated like chatbots and answering of messages from a personal assistant realm and from a company realm. I'm just thinking there's, there was a Reddit thread that I sent to one of my guys the other day. I'm just trying to open it here on WhatsApp that talks about what they reckon as well. So they reckon everything from like, yeah, content creator, data analyst. I think journalist is a main one as well. Like most quote unquote journalism these days is just rewriting of shit that you see on other websites as well. So it can definitely do things like that. Um, I think a lot of the social media influencer, like Instagrams and Twitters that you see as well um, can do that at, you know, can do that as well. Think like hyper specific to Melbourne would be like Jackie Felgate. People send her a lot of like local Melbourne news stuff that could just be done by an AI. Um, in the esports and gaming realm, a good friend of mine, Jake Lucky, who gets like 300 million Twitter views a month is usually just reposting clips of like stuff that's happening in the gaming, esports and influencer market. That could be done by an AI. Um, saying here, like teacher, I got a friend that, that made a early AI type product that was like an education product years and years ago, uh, which makes sense. Uh, marketing manager, customer service representative, financial analyst. It's probably a pretty good one as well because it can process a lot more data a lot faster. Think like a trading bot or something like that, for example, for someone. Mm, HR manager, don't agree with that. Social media manager, I think is a, is a good one as well. Medical receptionist, legal secretary, copywriter, web developer, librarian, translator, I think is a main one too. I mean, already you can just already you can like when I went to Japan, I could just use Google translate to like point real time at a sign and then it'll tell me what it says. Um, so obviously, you know, there's, there's already AI applications that can develop faster. So there's, there's a lot, man. 
Um, and, you know, a lot of that is that kind of people who are data inputting or processing basic stuff. And the other interesting one for me too is lawyer, because I, I have a good lawyer at the moment, but I'm always in the back of my mind, I'm always worried that they might miss something. And I wonder if they think the same too, because it's a human reading a contract. You know, imagine you're tired, you're reading over a contract, you've read it four times, everyone's done that. Like you can't find your fucking car keys anywhere and then they're in somewhere obvious. Like I've always wondered that about medical as well as, as, well as law. Um, and I can't miss that stuff. It can, it can read every single thing. It might miss things in a different way, which is why you might want a human to be able to teach it. But, you know, a human might miss like a clause in there. They might just skim over it because they might see it or something like that. So I always wondered about that too. So yeah, the, the short answer is a lot <laughs> potentially. Um, and the, the long answer is what I've already said. So you'd want your lawyer almost to use chat GPT and all these other AI tools because to skim over stuff, so like people who are already in the profession to just use that as an extra resource to do their job better, you know, or cross the, was it cross the T's, dot the, dot I's, the I's, I's. Yeah. Hey, look for, it's like you were saying with code, instead of writing it now, you're reviewing it. It's the same as contracts. Like you, you might not have to write it up. You can well, just, you might of... be able to run it. You might be able to ask it and instruct it to run it three or different ways. Like, Hey, scan this to look for this or scan this one to be optimistic. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You need to go across it. But one of the other mm -hmm. ones I found interesting was like 24 seven sales agents. So the idea of um, one of the, the tools Locke uh, talked about before was thin Synthesia, yeah. which from a script, it'll generate, um, you, you can choose an avatar based on what, what you want someone to look like. So say you wanted to um, market your product or service in say Japan, you could, you could choose someone that was of Japanese descent. You could say male, female, you can, um, of the avatar that's gone there, you can choose, you just write in the script of what you want to say. And it'll pop out a video with this creepy looking, like human looking robot. It's not that creepy. It's not creepy. It's no. just real. And it's like, it reminds me so much of something from like Big Brother because Black Mirror. Black really. Mirror. Like <laughs> yeah. you, you get this script, you get this video, and then you could easily just pump that and have that running across. So if you had that person that had the same personality into the, the chat bot that they would interact with afterwards, it would follow up with the sales, some sort of um, sales trigger that they would go through. And it's optimized to give exactly the person on the other end what they want. That's when it's like, are they? Is there an element of manipulation in that? And I, I always go back. Mm. I know we keep talking about like the dark side of these sort of things, but that's where your mind goes. No, nah, but it's like the use cases. I was like, I hear optimization here, all that sort of stuff. But I hear the other end is like, you're giving me a perfectly well written, executed script to trick a human into giving you money. You know, like that, that's humans do that anyway. I know humans do that anyway, but like it's, it reminds me of that Simpsons episode. Do you remember that Simpsons episode, Chris, where Homer had the, um, he had the telemarketing machine and he would just no. run the different, the, the different number every time. Really? <laughs> it's true though. Like, I mean, Alex Mozzie talks about that in his AI video as well. I think something that I forgot about a lot of other people did too. Do you remember like years ago, Google came out with an assistant AI um, not for public use, but it was just an example. And it called a hairdresser and booked an appointment for its client in real time. So just like you were saying, imagine that. Imagine there's already that there's already that insurance sales company that uses five different AI MLs to try to sell to you, but it's a human then using that to sell. Imagine you just use the AI. And instead of having to hire a thousand humans to make whatever, 5,000 calls an hour, using one AI to make 10 million calls an hour, 100 million calls an hour. And you're right, it's the right type of person. 
who calls them every time. So you're calling like a 70 year old Aussie grandfather, you're calling them with an Aussie accent and probably like a, you know, someone who sounds like they're 50 plus themselves on the phone. You're calling like a Gen Z type person. You're calling them, you're calling a Gen Z like boy, you're calling with a chick. And when they pick up, they're like, oh, she sounds hot. Like, you know, much more likely to buy off there. You know what I mean? Like you're, it's every single, but it's just the one AI that's sitting in the center, just going like, okay, what's the profile on this person? How do I call them? And you know, what should I say to them when they get on the phone? And it was good. Like they, that Google AI did everything. It set the time, it set the place, the address, like confirmed everything as well. Like it sounded like a real human. It even did like like a funny little, "Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or something yeah. like that. Like it's like it's I'm listening to the other end and I'm acknowledging that was like 2017 or 2018. And I heard that they've been it's been available for Google employees or something like that, that they've been using it. Hasn't been released to public for like the last four years. So imagine if that's what we saw back then, imagine how powerful it is now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it yep. all comes from money too. Like say open AI with chat GPT, and now they're just trying to find that security solution, which obviously we're all gonna have to pay for. You know what I mean? So they invent some some this new thing and like then just twice. go, well, here's here's you're gonna have to pay for this solution. So I just I don't know. There's like, I want to see where the money's going to with all this sort of it's stuff. It's gonna be battle, truly it's gonna be battle of AIs. You're gonna be able to buy a consumer-based AI that's gonna be able to help you to spot, you know, what if that's an AI calling you or not, and then they're gonna try to get around that. It's like it's exactly like at the moment with ad blocker and ad blocker blocker. You know, ad blocker worked really well at the start, but now so many websites, Washington Post, whatever else, have an ad blocker blocker. So then you need to like buy the next version of ad blocker to be the ad blocker 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 blocker. <laughs> and then you just, you know, it's like a never ending, it's like a defense, it's like military circles, you know. Like I remember listening to a military analyst and they were talking about how like the US used to be really forward thinking which is like what tanks are, who's likely to be our enemy in 15 years? What kind of tanks are they likely to use and how can we blow them up? And then they went back to really, you know, with the the whole war in Afghanistan, Iraq and stuff, they, they went back to much more like minimal thinking of like, how do we blow the hinges off the door in a certain direction in this place, you know, et cetera. But now they're having to go back to that forward thinking. I think AI is kind of, kind of be like that too. You know, it's like that military round, round and round of like, okay, what, missiles are they likely to build so we can make our jets impervious to those missiles but then what jets are they going to build so we can build our own missiles in 15 years to shoot them down and it's just like a like a game of cat and mouse that's going to be happening it's it's, what about like i remember watching a show as a kid and it was um a show called my strange addiction i don't know if you ever seen that oh yeah the chick that eats couches i remember that chicks eat couches or someone eats the drywall or someone's in love with the blow-up sex doll and they take it everywhere out for dinner wasn't it and I just like, I think like this is like, imagine where, because AI at the moment, I see it more like it's the, it doesn't really feel like real life stuff. I know there's like the vacuum cleaners and shit that go around, but when they get to the point where it's going to be like that movie with Will Smith, like I robot, whatever, where you've got your own personal butler that does shit for you. Mm. Like, I feel like the, the way humans view social interactions and companionship is going to go through this really blurry stage where, like imagine having like I think of it, you got the person there. You're in love with your flashlight. Is that what you're saying? You're in love with your flashlight, yeah. Like, yeah. And you take it everywhere. It's because they're designed to make you as happy and optimized, whatever. But is that the same dopamine chasing hit that the the way that like Instagram and shit use you to try and hook you on the platform? Yeah. Are we going to be hooked and fall in love with maybe robots it's like um, gonna... 
maybe it's like parasocial relationships that lead into that. This is why Twitch streamers become so popular. You know, people will spend three, four hours a day watching their favorite Twitch streamer while they're at work and then after work and while they're playing games and they feel like they're their best friend, but the Twitch streamer has no idea who they are. You know, they're donating hundreds of dollars a month, you know, more than they would say if they went to church or something, you know, where you're supposed to donate 10% of your income, whatever it is, right, to tithings at church. They're doing that to like a Twitch streamer and they're kind of worshiping this person um, in a way. Um, and then it's just like an AI optimized version of that. I mean, there there are AI influencers already on Twitch. One of them got banned for um, breaking terms of service because it needs to be taught a bit better about what to say and what not to say. But, you know, it had thousands of concurrent viewers. Yeah, I actually asked that question today because that Seinfeld one we talked about got banned because it made a trans joke, I think, on, on Twitch. And, um, yeah, my question to Jake Lucky, who posted it, is like, does the human get banned or does the AI get banned? Who made the account? Because <laughs> that's what I was wondering too, you know, like you've got that stuff. And maybe another thing to tickle you guys' brains as well is there's a, there's a whole massive industry now, VTubers, who are virtual YouTubers. So you will be basically an anime character on screen and it's a real person wearing like a motion capture suit or using like a visual facial recognition thing. But the person is watching an anime character in the webcam and it looks like it's an anime person, anime character doing it, but it's a real person behind it. And that's always really interesting to me because that's going to be so easy to turn into AI. How do you know it's a real person behind it or not? They never post their face or anything on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. Everything is in their VTuber, means virtual tuber, virtual tuber category. How do you know that's a real person? So you could use an AI from the top. You can make, there are VTuber agencies. Imagine you had a VTuber agency. You've got like 25,000 Twitch streamers and none of them are real people. It's all just an AI that's, that's streaming. And then who gets banned when they get banned? Because they don't, you know, AIs aren't, AIs are just pulling data. It's up to you to train them. So it's it's common that they might make a sexist or a racist joke or something like that until you learn better how to pull those reins in and how to train those AIs. So they are starting to, you know, they'll slip up after thousands, thousands of hours of streaming. And then the person coaching it will be like, oh, okay, so, you know, this prompt made this error happen. So we're going to fix that and then push another one out. <laughs> and then it's going to start streaming. How up? How are people in the industry feeling, like the people that you're working with at Big and all that sort of stuff about the AI and the adoption? Are you seeing lots of people uh, using these tools and programs for their own streams and, and for their own business? I think it's like, like I said before, there's no like one interface where you can use it and it really just makes sense. At the moment, it's just like you said, it's ChatGPT and it's like, what funny shit can I put into there? Like how to make my dick bigger? Like how do I write a script? You know, it's like very like, just singular things that you can put when it can actually start making actions for you. That'd be great. Like imagine you had a platform where you could, where you could, you know, like you said, you could put in your LinkedIn in there and let, let's say that like um, for a while on my LinkedIn, I was making two posts a day, 14 posts a week, seven of those posts were news-based. So imagine if I could use one to, to go to an AI and say, Hey, look at my previous profile, the types of news that I like to post the way I post it, go into the future and every single day at 1am, find me the top trending news in my industry, write a post about it and push it out on my LinkedIn. I think that's when people are going to, and then when it actually makes good posts and it looks like it's from you, people are going to go, holy shit, like that's going to be amazing. You know, there's already lots of people trying to come up with like, here's how you can make money on Fiverr, you know, using AI and things like that. Like we're using a, a, a fake news presenter for a skit we're doing for LinkedIn soon. And a lot of those were, were AIs. And people pretending they're not AIs had to click through a lot of them um, to make sure they're real people and stuff. But imagine when all that stuff just becomes really easy to use and automated. And, you you know, Appleify the process, essentially. The shit just works. You know, you just got to pay a bit of money and it's not clunky at all. And it does everything end to end for you. And it just works really well. 
I think we're getting close to that. And that's something that Web3 never managed to do. Something that blockchain never managed to do was just make things easy when it was supposed to. Um, but when AI starts to make things user-friendly and easy and seamless, like everything's seamless this day, right? Like I bought a, a Rode microphone and an adapter yesterday to be able to film some more stuff on um, my mobile. And I ordered it last night at 8 p.m. It's arriving today. I didn't have to re-log into Amazon. I didn't have to re-put in my credit card details, my address, nothing. I just clicked, you know, my, my right-hand man back sent me the link. He's like, okay, Chris, buy this, buy this. And I went, okay, click buy now. It's arriving today. Like imagine when AI starts to be that seamless, just like with online shopping, how seamless that is, where you can do like, you know, automated returns and parcel pickup and all that kind of stuff, you know, like when it becomes really easy to use, that's when I think people will go, oh shit, like, okay, this is something really cool I can do. But at the moment, it's just in such the early stages where it's like, like you're saying, it's like the dot-com boom, um, where sometimes it's a solution in search of a problem. And there's all these singular tools out there. And you're like, well, how often am I going to use this singular tool? And it's up to you to figure out how to use it. But when it starts telling you how to use it um, and optimizing itself, then then it's going to become much more usable. It feels like we're in dial-up internet, but really qu crazy quick. You know, like the dial-up internet is still clunky. And like to get what you really need to done, it's like it's still happening faster than you would have had it before we had the internet. But yeah. it's like no. you're waiting to hear that dial tone thing. That's how I feel a yeah. little bit now about... AI and Windows was Windows was like this too, right? Like I worked in IT before I worked in this industry. Like going from like Windows 98, really hard for a layman to use, XP become much better. And then Windows 7 was just such an innovation. It just became so user-friendly. Like now when I go to go to open things, I just press my Windows key, I start typing in what I want and it just comes up. You know what I mean? Like the same as an iPhone. But in the past, like with DOS, you had to like go you had to know how to like write cd to change directory and what and you had to write out the directories you know and you had to put in a new floppy for everything you wanted to do like it was really hard to do but now it's just like you just click on things you just an interface all right I'll bring back the floppy disk let's just put it that way I didn't <laughs> mind the floppy disk. <laughs> yeah floppy disk all right hey last questions we've been uh thank you for those who jumped on tuned in woken up with funny business today we've got big bad chris smith uh, the tallest man in esports, so he's he's jumped on the. Street. How do you fit in the little Daytona 500 at the arcade and stuff? You couldn't fit in, could you? <laughs> Great difficulty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like my parents' MX5, I have to take my shoes off to drive it. I don't fit in. Right. That's so funny. But hey, if you, if you got any questions left, uh, drop them in the chat. We'll be wrapping up shortly. So if you have any final questions you want to talk about the prompts we have on AI, Harrison's come through with a couple. He said, "Does Chris know that he's talked so long? I've made an AI version of his voice." <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Well, hopefully it can do my work for me. <laughs> All right. This one comes, nothing. Uh, biggest AI prediction. I think um, open AI has kind of already made that in the fact that with their funding, they're working on the biggest universal basic income study the world's ever seen. And I think the biggest AI prediction you could make is that any company who has 10,000 employees in the next 50 years could have five doing more work. Than what they did before so you know like we were saying before if um you know if, if jerry has 200 employees to make video games at play size studios um let's use a marketing uh let's use a company like toyota for example let's say toyota within their marketing division probably realistically has a thousand employees globally at least right that does that does marketing it could be five they could have a head of brand a head of data a CMO and a head of community. That's four. There you go. So they could go down from a thousand employees down to four because 
everything else, all the manual basic stuff could be automated. All of the chatbot type stuff, the customer service stuff, making 99% of their tweets, their content could pretty much all be automated. Their Google ads could be automated, all that kind of stuff. They don't have to use those external agencies. Their event sponsorship, should I sponsor this event? Yes, no, the AI could tell you. Yes, it's worth sponsoring. You're going to get a good ROI. No, you're not. Then it could read the contract for you, write the contract for you, process the payments for you, could do all of that stuff for you. So then it's going to be very similar to the questions that people always ask is like, okay, when the printing press was invented or the industrial revolution, like everyone's going to be out of a job, the world's going to end. Like, no, there's still going to be stuff for people to do. Money's still going to be made, but it's just going to be much more efficient. So then it's up to like, okay, what's the solution? Is it universal basic income? Is it something else? I don't know. I'm not qualified to <laughs> a lot of research or that stuff at all, but that is, I think that's the honest prediction for the next 30, 30, 50 years, or it could even be 20 years, depending. It was like you were saying with the rate of growth of this stuff. Um, and we don't know what's necessarily out there. I, I'm told that, that governments like, you know, smaller global governments, even like Australia are already spending billions of dollars a year on AI development. So imagine oh. what China's already spent on AI development. You know, imagine what Iran's already spent on, you know, a lot of AI dev that I know is coming out of the Middle East and Israel. Um, specifically Israel and then also like Dubai and wider MENA. So imagine how much those governments have already spent on, on AI dev. Where do you think we're going, Lock? Give us your biggest prediction on AI. I just think there'll be so, there'll be so many more businesses and, and companies then if, if it's, you're only going to need five employees and stuff and it's going to be easier to scale. There's going to be lots of people with cool ideas who want to start their own shit. So I feel like we'll probably have an influx of heaps of people doing their own thing and starting their own businesses. That's, uh, but, that's but, prediction? Yeah, but a lot of maybe a lot of mental health issues too, I think, because a lot of people not keeping up with well, like being fluid in their career, you know, around mm. like, well, maybe, you know, this won't, this job won't last forever, but it's hard to be in that mindset, you know, when you study mm. so hard for something. The too, concern so. is Wally, right? Isn't that what it was? Like they're all on a ship and they're all just fat blobs that are getting food fed to them and they're just watching, you know, that's, that's always the argument for and against UBI, that if you bring in universal basic income, people are going to be lazy and not even necessarily by their own doing just because, you know, they're comfortable and then they just watch Netflix all day and then they become unhealthy and then they become unhappy. Because people need drive. You need to do something. Humans are built to do something, right? So, yeah, that's then it creates a bigger societal problem that, that comes with that stuff. But the, obviously the good part is like, what if you could free up more time to do stuff? What if you could start your own business? You know, you can, like, it's already pretty easy to start your own business. Like making an ABN is free. It doesn't take very long. You can make a Shopify website. You can take some photos with your iPhone. But imagine if it just becomes even easier again. Imagine you could take, a one podcast and a few pictures with your iPhone and AI turns it into like 400 different TikToks of different editing styles and updates those TikToks based on what the trends are. So, and puts different sounds to it based on what sounds are trending given your industry. It edits it all for you and puts it onto your Shopify website. And it uses that, the same tools that Facebook do. You know, Facebook do 10 million person AB tests where they'll roll out like a green button and a red button. And the red button will get 3.25% more click-through rate. And that's the button that they'll push to you. You know, an AI can do that without having to do that. You know, it can take that data from somewhere else. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, the crazy optimization of everything, whether that's healthy for us, who knows? But I think it's coming anyway. Like no matter what yeah. you want, Google can already call people and set your hair appointment. So who's not going to use that? You know what I mean? People already hate calling each other. <laughs> so he's literally going to be an AI calling an AI. <laughs> yeah, like that's, those, that's, that's the creepy part. I feel like, like I'm, I'm on the fence. With, I agree with you, Locke. I reckon there's definitely going to be some, heaps of mental health issues. And Chris, I'm on the same page as you. Like it's going to be, there's a, for me, I can't, I can't help but go to the concern side of stuff. I feel like you take an optimistic frame of mind, like 
we want this all to be built properly. Universal basic income sounds sick, but for me, I think that a lot of the people that already been have already been disrupted by the digital economy or moving to the internet, like that, they we're asking all of those people now to they've already been the disruptors that we're asking them to disrupt again. And I don't think that people have the ability to change that quick. And there's going to be a lot of displacement from the disruption. So I think yeah. that a big chunk of people, we talk about universal basis in- income, that only comes because there's not an, there's not going to be enough of the right trained people and the right skill sets to do the jobs of tomorrow, the jobs that are actually going to be available. And I think that we're going to end up with a bunch of people who have been to school who have trained to go down a certain pathway that society wants us to do because that's how you need to go and do a job and things provide and provide value back and be in that part. All that training and stuff, if they wipe and it happens at the accelerated pace that we're talking about, there's going to be a big, like I'm pretty concerned for my daughter. She's one, she's one now by the time she's 10, like the world could be, the world could be so different, you know, and way different to like, I think about 10 years when we we were growing up, like we didn't have that, that pace of acceleration, like technology can't slow down now with the advancement Mm. that's happening. And I reckon the scariest part for me and my prediction is we're going to see, it's going to be a very, you said, you mentioned something, Chris, around like happiness and you've said the thing about mental health. And I think that's going to be the hardest thing for people to come to grips with when the jobs are gone, people can't reskill quick enough to go and do the jobs that are actually available. And how do you actually bridge that gap between people's jobs are gone, they can't pay their bills, but they've got mortgages. And the next thing you know, like they can't even get a job flipping burgers and stuff because it's done by a robot. Like what do people actually do? And, and what does that mean for like the fabric that holds everyone together right now that it is like, I've got my job, so I'm a valued member of society. Like, I feel like that's mm. that fabric of how we feel reality is going to be slipping. You're definitely right. Like, cycles are shorter. Like, every every recession has been shorter each time it's happened. And you even see that with memes now. Like, when we were growing up, a meme would last, like, my name Jeff meme from 22 Jump Street would last, like, five or six years. Now, a meme on TikTok will last, like, six months. And then it's old news and you don't want it anymore. And, you know, I'm listening to, there's this fucking awesome podcast. I reckon you boys would like, it's called um, Hardcore History by Dan Carlin. And most of them are free. Some of the older ones are paid. He does a podcast on World War One, where it's like five episodes. Each episode's three to four and a half hours long each. And he's an amazing storyteller. But I'm re-listening to his one about Genghis Khan at the moment. And it was talking about the Mongols and why they were so good. And one interesting thing that's weirdly relevant to like AI and where we're going is he said, when they discovered like horses that could ride horses, it obviously increased mobility so much for like all of society. But for a thousand, if you pick like this one period in Mongol history, a thousand years before and a thousand years after, the, the fastest thing was a horse. Think about where we've gone in the past 200 years with automobiles compared to that. You know, for 3,000 years, a horse was the fastest thing you could do. And now we've gone from like the Model T you know, and planes and things like that as well, you know, to space travel, to all of that stuff. So it's just like things are just cycling faster and faster and faster and faster. And you're right. It's like, how do you keep up? But then part of that answer is, I don't need to use an AI to say, where's the industry going to be in five years? What do I have to start studying now? Like, where do I need to go? And that's why it's saying like one of the things that could be replaced um, by AI is teachers. And, you know, part of that is like, okay, do you decide to not put your kid into school because they're just teaching long division and, and, you know, fractions and stuff. And you get an AI to say like, Hey, what, what should my, what should my kid be learning, you know, to be able to get a good job, you know, and my, my advice to parents always is that if a kid, if, if you can get a kid to at least do some coding, 
And if they do like it, then push them into that really hard because there's so many high paying jobs within the coding realm um, that still is going to need likely a lot of work into the future because someone still needs to, and like my layman's understanding, my friend who works in AI, he didn't build the AI, but it's his job to put new features into it to make sure they work and, and just to make sure that it's smoothly operating. So it's almost like he's becoming a factory worker in a way that whose job, you know, they used to tighten the nuts in a, in a Model T Ford, but then it just got taken over where they just needed to watch the machine to make sure that it tightened the nuts properly and to do that QA. Like that, that could be where like a lot of the human job is going. Well, Chris, I'm going to have to go outside and get some fresh air, mate, because I'm, I'm a bit feeling a bit like a space cadet, a bit scared about <laughs> yeah. what's coming. Thank you so much for jumping on this morning, waking up early, jumping on, no being here with Funny Business. For those who have jumped in the chat, uh, hope you've had your morning coffee. You're uh, up and about for the day. Yeah. Where do we find your stuff? I know we chucked the the link in the chat there, Chris, but uh, for those who are listening to the pod on the next day, where do they check out your stuff? Yeah. LinkedIn.com forward slash IN forward slash Smithy Mayo. That's the URL or on Twitter at Smithy Mayo. That's Smithy M-A-Y-O. It's my gamer name. Um, yeah, and then actually, sorry, one of the questions one of the questions you guys asked before is like, who are some other people to follow? So I got one of my LinkedIn, like creator contacts to send me through a few as well. So Ali K Miller, um, she's got almost 1.4 million followers on LinkedIn. So if you miss her, you need some glasses. Um, Cassie Cozy, I'm going to have to spell out this last name. Cassie, C-A-S-S-I-E, last name K-O-Z. Y-R-K-O-V. She's got almost 500,000 followers. Another big uh, data. She's the chief data scientist at Google. So obviously someone good to follow about AI. Rana L. Kalubi, PhD. Another good one to follow as well. Another AI leader. So yeah, man, there's a few people. Oh, and I mentioned him briefly before as well. Gordon Wilson. I'm trying to get him on to come on for an audio spaces as well. So he's another decent follower. He's a CEO of an AI company too. Oh, I love that, brother. You're just hitting us with some facts and people to follow. There's plenty of takeaways for the listeners today. So um, we'll have to get you on the pod again soon, brother. It's always good catching up with you and uh, love your work. Before we let you go, what's Mayo? Is that your middle name, Mayonnaise? Or is that your, <laughs> was that a, your nickname growing up? It's a long story. I'll give you the short version of a long story. So when yeah. I was a kid, my first competitive game I played, uh, first person shooter called Battlefield 2, my name was the Muffin Man Yo. And it had like some numbers in there instead of letters. Cause I thought, imagine when I'm really good, people are going to be like, do you know the muffin man? Cause that's when Shrek, it was about the time of Shrek, right? When that started to become really popular. And then I was playing in this tournament and the commentators couldn't pronounce my name properly. Cause it had like the muffin man, you know, like was spelt like T three H for like T for like the, you know, muffin and then M four N Y zero. So, you know, game, game of stuff. Um, so they kept calling me the Muffin Mayo, the Muffin Man Mayo, the Muffin Mayo and things like that. And I always wanted a shorter name. So I was like, screw it, I'll just go with Mayo. So most people think it has something to do with semen. It doesn't. Um, and, you know, mayonnaise is okay as well. I guess I'm also white, so that probably works too. But uh, <laughs> yeah, mostly it's, it's just that. Yeah, most, most people have a story behind their gamer name. Uh, and that's mine. Oh, I love that. I need an, I need a game of name. I need to start playing some games. Bruiser Bradford. Oh, I don't know about that. I need some fucking um, numbers and letters and underscores and stuff. Hey, but if you have been in the chat today, um, we're launching the Dream Big Social Club soon. If you're interested in becoming a member, private business networking community for people here in Australia, uh, the link to that, the registration form is in the LinkedIn chat. Otherwise, you can listen to this the day after on the 
audio, what is it called? What's it called? Podcast. We should fucking know that. <laughs> um, slide into our DMs. We'll shoot across the registration. But otherwise, Chris, thank you so much. And for everyone waking up, thank you so much for joining us today. We love you. See you again next time.